Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Uh, back on the West Coast here, Buck, after a, a long combine, uh, but but a very uh, productive one. How you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I, th- I think the, the tough thing after the combine, there's so much that goes on in that four-day window. Um that it takes almost like a week to to kind of go through the data and to really kind of digest what took place, what you saw, combined with what the data comes back with to really make sense of it all. And I don't think you can really do the combine justice until you kind of dig into all the numbers. And, look, we're afforded the opportunity where NFL Research provides us with these packets where we can kind of do some compare and contrast, not only with um, 2020 prospects, but going back historical to look at how these guys compare to other guys and kind of just get a better overall feel for what we saw and what we're seeing and how that kind of fits into the overall puzzle when it comes to the evaluation. Yeah, it's a... It's a lot to go through. I'm glad you mentioned that. And we're going to have a, uh, a big-time show today because we're going to roll some of the interviews that you had at the Combine, Buck. Um, you got a chance to visit with 
couple quarterbacks here in Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, and uh, and then Justin Jefferson, who had a phenomenal combine, the wide receiver from LSU. Uh, so we're going to have those uh, those interviews during the show. Also talk about kind of the top performers, guys that jumped out to us um, as we kind of review what took place there uh, in Indianapolis, Buck. So if, if we're going top performers, um, I want to kind of go through a couple positions here. But before we do that, I want to give people an idea of what's still out there. Because we had some guys that didn't run. Mm-hmm. And so I have, I believe, 11 guys in my top 50, Buck, who did not run. So I'm going to roll off these names. So if you don't hear us talking about these players, keep in mind, these guys haven't run yet. So that's Chase Young. That's Joe Burrow. That's Tua. Obviously, we won't see him run. Uh, Kinlaw, uh, defensive tackle from South Carolina. Um, Chase on the edge rusher from LSU. T. Higgins, wide receiver from Clemson. Grant Delpit, safety from LSU. J.K. Dobbins, running back from Ohio State. Uh, Yatur Gross Matos from Penn State. Uh, Trevon Diggs from Alabama. And then K.J. Hamler from Penn State, the wide receiver. So that's a, that's a good group of players there that we're still waiting on to see what they do at their pro day. Yeah, and I think everyone should understand like how in the scouting world this information really matters or how it's utilized or what's the common denominator. So uh, when you're in a scouting room and you go and you're collecting data, uh, by rule, what you're doing, what you're taught is you're supposed to take the best measurements wherever you get those, whether it's at the combine, whether it's at the pro day, uh, a private workout. The prospect gets the benefit of the doubt. They get the best measurements that they deliver at any time throughout the process. So if you can imagine being in a war room and you're looking at the uh, draft board on each player's or each prospect's card, there's a name and then there's a list of little uh, numbers, height, weight, 40 time, all of those things, broad jump, vertical jump, three cone or whatever. And so as you're filling in the card, it's kind of, you know, the best of best measurement that you got height best weight best 40 time best vertical best three cone all of that stuff and so the reason why in the past we used to always encourage guys to work out at the combine because they already had a built-in mulligan if you didn't perform well at the combine but you came back and killed it at your pro day well all the pro day numbers are what stood on your card and so even though there have been some guys that, like, killed it at the combine, some guys that maybe underperformed, they will get a chance to erase those mistakes by really working out well at the pro day. But if you bypass the opportunity to work at the combine and you wait to your pro day, if you don't deliver on that day, you may not get a chance to make it up because you just don't know if scouts going to be able to come back and work you out all over again. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah you get more cracks at it if you, uh, if you work out at both spots. Um, Buck, when, when you kind of look at it, um, let's just go kind of big picture. I, I tweeted out a handful of guys that I thought, for me, like help mm-hmm. themselves the most. And and that's not saying, uh, look, I know what Isaiah Simmons did. I know what Mekhi Becton did. Those guys were top 10 picks coming into this process. They just cemented their status. I don't think you're going to see, like, there's nowhere for them to move. They're already up mm-hmm. to the top of the board. So guys that can help themselves and really move up. I'm going to give you my five guys I had here, and I'll go through each of them individually. Uh, Mississippi State linebacker Willie Gay. Buck, he put on a show, man. He he was running the four fours. He was explosive. Now, the interesting thing is he uh, had been suspended, um, and so I didn't know, you know, when we're in our position, I just know the kid's been suspended. He did not start games this year, so he played a ton, obviously, and you see him flash when you watch him on tape, but I'm like, okay, this kid didn't start. He was suspended, you know, for games. I don't, you know, I know he's very talented, but I kind of put him in that 
we call it like almost like a holding tank. It's like a, the grade is a 6OD, which is, mm-hmm. um, you know, or you could put a C on there, which would be a character concern. So you got to put him in there until you figure out all that stuff. Well, I talked to teams that interviewed with him, Buck, and said they felt very comfortable with him. Um, it was some academic stuff, you know, where the issues involved. Not a bad kid at all. Um, and and was impressive in the interview process. So that kind of cleaned him up a little bit from that standpoint. And then I'm like, okay, well, this guy's got to come way up because he is a big-time, big-time athlete. Uh, so I'll go through these one at a time, but, but you just give me your thoughts there on what you saw from, from Willie Gay. Okay, so here's the thing, DJ. Um, and not that we're tied or married to uh, high school rankings, high school recruiting rankings when they come out, but Willie Gay was a four- or five-star player coming out. And so when you think about that, the way those things are derived at a lower level, um, look, athleticism plays a key role. Um, Those guys have been to all these camps, whether it's the opening or rivals camps or whatever, and everyone has seen them. They've run 40s. They've jumped. They've tested well to go with having great film when they were in high school. So I'm definitely not surprised that he turns up at the combine. He shows up and shows out. And now everyone is kind of restarting the conversation. I had a conversation with um, a couple of coaches, and they were like, hey, I got to go back here and dig into this kid because when you look at the athleticism, he is a sideline-to-sideline player. You see him move. He puts up a 4-4-6-40 time, and now you're like, hey, I need to get around this guy and figure out where he can play because this athleticism is ridiculous, like off the model, and I've been beginning to use a little more of the next-gen stats athleticism model I mean, his athleticism model is comparable to Isaiah Simmons in terms of the just overall explosiveness and athleticism and agility. And so now, just based on those grades, you know how it works in the room. Once we get past a certain stage in the draft, we're drafting guys on, you talk about high ceiling. That athleticism gives him a high ceiling if you can figure out what may be slowing him down or holding him back from being the player that he should be when he has these kind of talents. Willie Gay helped himself. He put himself in the conversation. He is a guy that I'm going to have to go back and look at because I don't know if he was on anybody's radar as a guy in that conversation. Whether you talk about top 50, top 75, I don't know, but now I know I have to go back in. I got to do some work on Willie Gay because he certainly opened some eyes with his performance at Combine. Yeah, and you can, I mean, I watched the Kentucky game, Buck, and you see as a pick six in that game, and you can see the speed. It's real speed. He's not a workout warrior. You mentioned the pedigree he had coming out of high school. It's a real dude, but I mean, he was suspended for eight games in 2019. He did not start a game. He only started six games the year before, so he's got six college starts, but. In the, in the time when he was out in the field, you go back to 18, he had five sacks, two picks. Um, as I mentioned, I had a pick six this year. So the ability is there. you got to kind of sort it out. To me, this looked like this looked like a classic second-round pick, you know, where D- it's, hey, you're D- at the bottom of the second round. DJ, like, say, like we talked about, just go th- for it. Hey, we're beginning to throw darts because after you get out of a certain thing, you begin to look like, hey, this guy has a lot of production and all that other stuff, but – He's slower. He's not as explosive. Where is my versatility yep. going to happen? And even though special teams have changed a lot in the National Football League in terms of the kickoff and the punt game and all of the rules, you don't pass up an opportunity to get a guy that you come in. And even though we say, hey, he's a developmental player, but when you run four four six, you got an 11-4 broad jump. Uh, you're explosive wow. as all get out. You have some flash plays on tape. Oh, yeah, you take him, and you try and find a way to slot him, and you hope that you have a good coaching staff that can develop him to the point where he can get on the field. But, yeah, this athleticism, athleticism right there puts him in that conversation somewhere on day two. Yep, 
um, I'm with you. Uh, the next one I had on my list uh, was a legacy here in Antoine Winfield Jr., who was just outside my top 50 in the uh, – in the last uh, release that I did. And he's, he's very much in the mix to jump into the top 50. The reason why I talk about him making a jump, look, he's undersized, he's 5091, 203 pounds. So 5'9 and 8, 203 pounds. But he ran 445, Buck. And when, when I watched him, I don't know what you thought, when I watched him, I was enamored with the instincts and the ball skills are outstanding. I mean, you can watch Fresno State mm-hmm. and overtime him bait a quarterback, wheel around, pick it off. Um, he has, I thought his lack of size showed up some as a tackler when he got in the alley a little bit. Just uh, you guys get off of him, not for a lack of effort. But this guy's got elite ball skills, uh, elite instincts, and now he's got four four five speed that I know verifies all that. And then you got to factor in the injuries, you know, in, in 17 and 18. But it's a playmaking league, and this guy's a playmaker, and he passed a speed test. He passed the speed test, and he's also at a position where there was a lot of ho-hum to it, right? There, there wasn't a lot of sizzle to the safety position. We had talked about some guys, like you have Grant Delpit and Xavier McKinney, those guys at the top of the board, and we had talked about some nice players, guys that were like, hey, he's a good player, Ashton, and some of those guys, but now when you yep. dig into a player who has plus speed, plus instincts, plus ball skills, has some pedigree bloodlines because his dad played in the league for a long time, now you have to kind of reassess where he is and where he kind of stacks in the order. How quickly could he come in and potentially play? And could you live with some of the flaws um, that are associated with him being an undersized safety? I would say when you have all things considered and you have a bunch of guys kind of in that cluster buster group, there are a lot of positives that Antoine Wingfield Jr. brings to the table. Um, he definitely deserves another look. Yeah, he's going to go on day two. It's just a matter of where where on day two, second or third round. Uh, but a really good player. Uh, Baylor's Denzel Mims. Ooh, yes. Has anybody yes. done more in the offseason yes. to help yes. themselves, Buck? Yes. I mean, from the senior bowl to the combine. I mean, that is a uh, – he is an athlete, and then you throw on the the top speed. You know, to what is it four three nine? I believe yeah. is what he was. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just yeah. He was four three eight at six, almost six three, two hundred and seven pounds. So you've got a bunch of acrobatic catches. I knew he was athletic, um, and now you go to the to the Senior Bowl and you perform very well there. Then you back it up with a great combine. I've heard the interviews are really good. Um, so to me, I put him in the with the last pick in my mock draft, Buck, in the first round. I think he's going to go in the top fifty. Uh, it's just a matter of how high, and I think he has a reasonable shot of sneaking in the first round. D- uh, DJ, this is a way that you handle the, the pre-draft process. Uh, very productive player in the Big Twelve. Um, Matt Rule has talked about him when we had him on. He, he kind of talked about uh, Denzel Mims and kind of being a fan and what we've seen from him throughout his time and how he was a big-time clutch player for them and that they didn't find anybody that could slow him down or stop him. So you have production on tape. You now have um, outstanding competitiveness and a, an ability to step up like he did in the Senior Bowl. Then you go to the Athletic Olympics, and he kills that. The athleticism is there. The size, the speed is there. He interviews well. He is a team guy he, he kind of has a lot of traits that would welcome would be encouraging or welcoming to teams so Denzel Mims in a what we call a loaded and crowded wide receiver room he's kind of found a way to kind of separate himself and distinguish himself from some of the others yeah, and one of the uh, the PFF stats that's interesting here, 20 contested catches last year, second most in the FBS. So um, I talk about making those acrobatic catches, those 50-50 balls. Um, there's uh, some statistical data to, to back that up. So he's 
he's going in the top 50 again. It's just a matter of can he get into the first round or not. Uh, the next one, Buck, was kind of one of my sleepers coming into this event uh, was Ball State's uh, Danny Pinner, who played tackle at Ball State. This is a former tight end um, who ended up moving, is going to end up move or move to tackle, is going to end up, in my opinion, moving inside. I actually worked him out some at center um, in this uh, at the combine. And Buck, he just moved. He moved so well. I had him kind of coming into the event as like maybe this guy's like fourth, fifth round, you know, like kind of a developmental player. But he's six oh four two three oh six. He ran four nine one, and that athleticism is real. It shows up on tape. And some of the strength issues he maybe had at tackle, um, he struggled versus power there. You kick this guy inside to center, and you could have a special, special player. Man, the athleticism is, is so coveted. Um amongst offensive linemen. And the reason it's coveted is because it gives you the flexibility to be able to do a lot of different things up front, whether it's using your zone scheme, whether it's using your gap scheme where you pin and pull. Having athletes up front enables you to be able to do so much stuff. And so when you see a kid who is able to be this athletic, to flash the movement skills and, and all those things, it's easy to get excited about him. And then when you talk about the position versatility, it only enhances his ability to do a lot of different things. Um, offensive line coaches just absolutely love that. So, no, nah, I'll stand in combine for him. Yeah, I, I kind of put him in that. I think he's going to go in that third, fourth round range. So he at least helped himself by a round, I believe, with what he did there. Last one is one we talked about at the Senior Bowl. We talked about it on the podcast at the Senior Bowl. was Darnay Holmes uh, from UCLA, who wasn't totally healthy this year. But when you watch him – move around in the workout buck i mean he is if, if you wanted to kind of create a nickel and what you'd want a nickel to look like he's he's just under 510 he's 195 pounds he ran 448 he's got some production during the during his career but i just thought workout wise buck he was so fluid and easy and I, I, he caught the ball well he, to me he's just like plug and play nickel he, he struggled a little bit last year with his health and playing outside I think he's healthy you play him inside we saw him compete at the senior bowl he's another one that's had a great off season great off season um selfishly this is the son of one of my former teammates Derek Holmes um big play Darnay um has 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 kind of been a guy who has kind of been in the LA scene for a minute uh he was at Calabasas high school um, really did great things there. He's another guy that was like a four or five star recruit who had a ton of talent, goes to UCLA, shows that he can play, but then has some injuries that kind of prevented him from playing at that level. But the great thing about Darnay is I think we've seen the last couple months, the competitive spirit kind of come out. Like this is a kid that goes to the senior bowl and man, he competed every day. Like, didn't back down from a challenge. Uh, the one-on-one -on -one battles between he and Van Jefferson, you can consider those legendary in terms of the way that they just went at one another. And the position, um, at a time where we have so many guys that are Swiss Army knives and so many guys that are kind of trying to carve out different niches as uh, specialists, he is an ideal nickel corner. And that nickel corner, because I heard the conversation that you had with Dion uh, during the combine coverage, mm -hmm. and Dion talked about, look, you got to carve out a completely different position for nickels and how nickels have to be smart and tough. They have to have this this great short area at explosiveness and athleticism because you got to deal with two-way goals and different kind of players while also being involved in the run game. Well, when I look at Darnay Holmes, you're absolutely right. He fits that job description. And I don't know how many other corners are there that kind of look like players that you could just drop in that nickel corner position right away. But Darnay Holmes looks the part. He has definitely helped himself, and he's kind of reversed the narrative that was kind of attached to his name at the end of the year. 
I think you begin to talk about a, a day two guy, a guy who has a very specific role in a defense that may already have experienced players on the outside, and you're just looking to drop somebody in to play that slot position and own it. Yeah, I mean that's you couldn't I couldn't say it better myself, Buck. I just think sometimes you know we always say you got to go back to the tape, go back to the tape. But there's sometimes you got to realize, okay, if the tape, why wasn't the tape what you wanted it to be? And when you look at him being outside, you look at him being, uh, you know, injured, not being healthy during the year. Uh, I think you can explain away some of those struggles he had this year in coverage, giving up some big plays down the field. Um, I think you can eliminate some of that. And I, I like the fact that he's tough. He can be a force player. I can also blitz him and do some different things off the slot. So uh, those are my five guys that I thought, you know, in terms of making the biggest leap from where they were um, to where they are now, I, I thought those are the five that stood out. How about you, Buck? Any other guys that really yeah, jumped guy, out to you? So, so there are a couple guys that stood out. And I'm, I'm kind of still a page from your playbook when you took you found Willie Gay. And Willie Gay's athletic athleticism stood out a guy that stood out to me just from an explosive athlete standpoint how about donovan peoples jones from michigan and the reason why he stood mm-hmm. out is one i've known him since he was in high school he was a big time prospect coming out of cast tech in detroit um he won the spark championship i want to say once he may have gone back to back but you see a guy pop a 44 and a half inch vertical an 11 7 broad jump and it kind of opens your eyes. And then when you go back and you look at the tape, there are enough flash moments where you see him make these acrobatic catches. You also see him take a couple putt returns to the house for the Wolverines. This year's tape wasn't great, but he was dealing with a lower leg injury, uh, maybe a high ankle sprain is what I've been told. And he looked a little heavier than the way that he showed up at the combine. And so in talking to some wide receiver coaches, they're like, man, he is the perfect developmental prospect that you take a flyer on because he has size, he has speed, he has athleticism, he has enough tape where you can imagine what he could be. And then it's just a matter of can we get it out of him? And so there are a lot of wide receiver coaches that have kind of written his name down and kind of put it in their pocket as a guy that they could take a chance on. Now, I've been asked what that range is. I don't know. I don't think he goes in the first two days, but I do think beginning early day three, I believe that's when the conversation starts about Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I'm going back and looking at my notes, Buck, and I gave him a good grade. I have him like a third-round grade on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's a 62 grade? That yep. puts him right around there. Uh, inside, outside, creative uh, his release. I thought he was more of a glider than, than a burst guy. Very efficient and clean. Catches a bunch of back shoulders. Um I, but I did not see the dynamic athlete that we saw test, you know. Mm-hmm. So, that again, that comes back to trying to figure out, okay, was he healthy? You talk about a high ankle. Um, that's what this time of year is about. It's like you're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together of, of why somebody, you know, maybe didn't play as, as well as he tested. you got to go back and do your homework. Yeah, and I, and I think this is what the combine is, is meant for. A lot of people think that when we talk about the combine um, – the Olympics and, and stuff matter. No, it, it's really a stopping point and a recheck point. It's a checkpoint. It's, yeah. oh, this guy talks. So if you're a director with the team, A, the guy who is responsible for the Midwest, uh, tell me a little bit about Donovan Peoples-Jones because on our board we don't have him as high. Like what are we missing about him? And at that point, that's when the scout reads the report, talks about the injuries, talks about the lack of performance and production and those things. And then he kind of, gives us a picture as to why his production and performance doesn't match what we saw at the combine. Um, I think is is really solid because in looking at my notes on Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, I think my grade 
was right around the third round. But DJ, in a in a class that's so crowded, you just wonder where where you get picked. And so um, I did a a thing on on radio or someone asked called and asked me about him and I said look the range is going to be three through five uh just because there's so many guys mm-hmm. it just depends on color flavor of ice cream like what flavor do you like what do you want um he fits though he's a really really interesting interesting prospect based on his athleticism and those things no doubt. All right. How about anybody else, Buck, that jump uh, out to Okay. You? So this is at a time where we're talking about running backs and the running backs that we want are kind of the guys that can do everything, three down backs or whatever. However, there is still a place in this league for the old school banger. We saw what Derrick Henry was able to do for the Tennessee Titans. I think A.J. Dillon will benefit from Derrick Henry's success. Mm-hmm. When A.J. Dillon tested and the way that he tested, you just don't see guys do this. And in fact, the combine comparison is A.J. Dillon and Derrick Brown. Dillon, 6'0", 3'8", 247, 4'5", 40", 41-inch vertical, 10'11", broad jump, and he did 23 reps on the bench. Those numbers are almost identical to Derrick Henry. 6'2", and 5 eighths, 247, 4'5", 4'40", 37-inch vertical for Henry, 10'10", broad jump, 22 bench reps. When you think about a big man, that is able to move and is explosive like that, it is terrifying to imagine what he could do to a defense that's beginning to wear down. We saw how Derrick Henry's game kind of picked up the last half of the season. When it gets cold and teams get beat up, that's when the bangers kind of become more prominent fixtures in the offensive game plan. A.J. Dillon really, really helped himself. It will take a team that has a specific need for that big downhill back, but in my mind, He's kind of like the James Conner, a, a third-round back that you have a clear picture for. This is my guy that is my four-minute offense guy, my short yardage goal line guy. He is the guy that when we're trying to salt the game away, this is when A.J. Dillon comes out to play. Yeah, and the interesting thing when you compare him to Derrick Henry, Buck, is you know, the production, too. I mean, think about Derrick Henry winning the Heisman. A.J. Dillon went for 1,685 yards, 14 touchdowns last year. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's it. That's a lot of production, and you know, three straight years over a thousand yards, thirty-eight career touchdowns. So he's got legit college production to go with legit height, weight, speed. Um, he's not elusive. Uh, he's not going to beat you that way. He's not much of a factor at all in the passing game. Um, but like you said, if you want to have that role for that back, as we continue to see teams using a two and three man group, this guy can just wear you out. And the thing I like about it is, is not only is he just going to wear you out three and four or five yards at a time, he's got legit speed to go take it the distance. So uh, you break a tackle, uh, he's gone. So that's a, it's interesting. It's a very intriguing, interesting player who I had kind of in that third round range. Yeah, that's what um, I gave him. It I... wouldn't shock me if he got into the, it wouldn't shock me if he got in two. Would, would it shock you if he snuck into two? No, I, I think for the way the league is is kind of reverting back. Like, see, he would be a perfect fit in the old way that Jacksonville played. I think he could he could play with some of these teams that are beginning to use more two back sets. Um, the only thing that you kind of worry about when you have a runner like this, I'm looking at his carries: three eighteen as a freshman, two twenty seven, uh, uh, three eighteen well, last Henry. year. Yeah, three eighteen last year, two twenty seven and eighteen, three hundred uh, and seventeen. Man, that's a lot of carries, but. He's been fairly durable. He's a banger. He's rough and rugged, good balance and body control. I really liked him when I watched his tape, but I also know exactly what he is. Um, He's a role player um, that has a a very, very specific role in a team that likes to play smash ball football. Yeah, it's funny. I'm going back through this running back group. I feel like we called our shot on Cam Akers. Oh, yeah. He delivered. He had a phenomenal workout. Yeah, he was terrific. Um, 
he's he's very much in that mix. He's gonna he's gonna be a second round pick. Um, DJ Dallas was one that I loved in pass protection. I think to see how fast he was four five eight fast enough yeah uh 217 pounds and then i thought the interesting one because we've talked about these two guys at that position side by side right zach moss and Keyshawn vaughn uh and moss ran four six five which is what we expected uh vaughn ran four five one so he, he had a little more juice than uh than i anticipated there now obviously moss is, is nine pounds heavier at 223 to 214 for vaughn but again fun to kind of watch these guys kind of go through the process together and, and kind of figure out which one you like better yeah, like it, it, it is it's fun to watch. And, and there are a lot of these running backs that um, right team, right running back by community situation, they can have success in the league. Um, Zach Moss is exactly what I thought he was. I didn't think he was going to test well in terms of his 40 time, but he is my kind of running back when it comes to being a physical grinder that finishes and kind of punishes guys at the end of runs. I love those kind of running backs. And so there's a value to him and what he can bring. And then Keyshawn Vaughn is a little different because Keyshawn Vaughn, to me, is kind of a, a, a change of pace back. He is not necessarily the lead horse, but he's the compliment that comes in, does a little bit of everything, uh, runs it, does maybe some of the James White type stuff for the Patriots. Um, just a really good, solid complimentary back. Um, you know, it, the value is kind of like borderline day two, day three, but just a really, really good and productive football player. All right, before we get to these quarterback interviews, um, and we'll, we'll talk about what we saw at the quarterback position at the Combine, just big picture takeaways here. To me, like if you're going to say the three positions, the, the three positions that were the winners of the Combine, I would say wide receivers delivered, as mm-hmm. we expected. Offensive tackle was phenomenal. I mean, the best group of tackles we've seen in a long time with a lot of depth. And then I put linebackers in there third. I, I thought the linebacker group we thought would be okay, Buck, it's not okay. It's really good. And these guys ran really well at that position. Off the ball linebackers, what I'm talking about here, it was a, it was an outstanding group. Yeah, better than anticipated uh, performances from the linebacker crew. Um, uh, man, I might have been on record uh, talking on the show the other day. Like people had asked, this is before they worked out, about the linebacker crew. And I talked about, man, it's a drop-off. Like there's a huge drop-off after you get past the first two or three. Um, you may have to rush people up the board. But then you go and you watch them. And you're like, man, there are a lot of guys to choose from in terms of the athleticism and those things. And the way the league has trended with so many guys at the position needing to be able to be sideline-to-sideline players that can kind of run and cover and do some of those things, there's enough athleticism in the class to be able to do some really, really creative things. Now it's about picking the right guy for, for what you want to do. And the the offensive tackle class, the offensive tackle class, we knew it was deep and we talked about it being kind of top heavy. Um, the overall athleticism that we're seeing at the offensive tackle position, I believe in the first round, six guys go maybe. Um, and yeah. when in six, doubt, yeah. yeah, when in doubt, take the tackle. Um, if you have any concerns or questions just because of the depth uh, of the offensive tackle class, and we talked about it being top heavy. I would take a tackle and then come back and get one of the skill guys uh, just because if you need a wide receiver, there's so many of them that I think you can get uh, comparable value um, there. Uh, DJ, I, I did want to bring this up because people always like to talk about winners and losers and guys that we need to kind of yeah. just check out and see a little more from. Um, there are a couple guys that stood out to me. One, 
Uh, LaVisca Chenault was not as explosive as I thought he was in terms of just being able to run. I'm not really Dang, his worried. quarterback was almost as fast as he was. Buck. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that. I'm not going to overreact because what we saw on tape, like I'm more willing to kind of lean on that. But four, five, eight, when you have a bunch of blazers kind of doing it, just kind of sets them apart, especially when you're talking about LaVisca potentially being a first-round prospect. I think that brings him down a little bit. And then I'm not going to lie because this kid took um, exception to not being – considered the number one tight end in the class and that is hunter bryant from washington i was not overly impressed mm-hmm. with the athleticism um when you're undersized and undersized by four seven four yeah undersized by traditional measurements six two tight end you, you need to be able to fly if you can be a difference maker um not very explosive not um dynamic when you see him kind of move around and change directions and so for me i don't i don't know what you do with him in comparison to these other guys. And then Jerry Pinkley, another tight end from Vanderbilt. Um, I was kind of cooling on him after watching him at the Senior Bowl, but, man, a 4.96 at the Combine yeah. definitely, definitely makes it hard to kind of get a major endorser and sponsor for him. Well, I'll tell you what, The uh, on that note, Cameron Dantzler, Buck. I, I didn't – I man. you know, I we talked about him before. I, and I was like, man, I watched him early in the season. Yeah. And yeah. I watched him against – I didn't watch him against – teams that weren't very good and i'm like i just kind of i parked him in like the fourth fifth round I, yeah. I just didn't see it and then you know lance was talking about how well he played in some of the bigger games I'm like okay well i, I don't have time yet after the combine i'm going to circle back four six four buck he's 188 pounds he ran four six four yeah it I makes mean, he's horror, got man. a lot of work at his pro day dude to try and get back up into that mix i'm, I'm still going to go back and watch some more of him because i you know we'll see what see what we see on the tape but that's uh, the, the 40 hard. matters more at that position than any other position and that's a tough one to sell it's hard. So here's an interesting stat on uh, Cameron Dantzler. Uh, 103 cornerbacks have run the 40 and 4-6 or th- slower at the NFL Combine between 2009 and 2019. Only one of those players was a first-round pick. Four of those players made the Pro Bowl. That's Richard Sherman, Josh Norman, Brandon Browner, and Joe Hayden. 24 of those players, 24 of the 103, were selected in rounds 5 through 7. And 64 of those players went undrafted. So, DJ, 88 of those 103 players were drafted fifth round or later. Man, you're talking about me having to go back and do some work. I had them fifth on my list. Like, now I really have to go back and and look at the tape and really see, like, hey, is this guy what some have told me when it comes to his value as a prospect? And I I had to – we all have them, Buck. I had – uh, Stanford Samuels is like a. I thought he had third round type talent. Mm. I didn't understand. Nobody in the league liked him. I, I, I mean, I think Lance liked him maybe a little bit too, uh, but I liked him a lot. I thought, okay, this guy's he's got size, length, he's got production, um, he's fluid. I thought he had a little bit of juice. He, he, I watched him against Surratt, the receiver from Wake Forest, and I was like, oh, this guy can play. Buck, he ran four six five, and it was a slow four mm-hmm. six five. There was no pop, no juice whatsoever. We were joking with Dion, like he's, you know, he graduated to safety. You know, he might not know <laughs> it yet, but he's going to be a safety. I mean, um, just I mean, it's, and just, it's, it's I mean, so it just happens. I mean, and that position it matters. Now, Joe Hayden, if you remember, you were just mentioned his name a minute ago. He went to his pro day and ran high four threes. So I know this whole new combine setup. Some guys felt dead, dead legged by the time they got to the end of the day and they were running. Um, so maybe we'll see some of these guys clean this stuff up at their pro days. Um, but last thing I'll mention here, Buck. Speaking of graduations, I do want to. Uh, I, I should send a graduation gift to Tristan Wirfs because on my list he officially graduated from guard to tackle. 
uh, after uh, that workout. I was oh, like, okay, I can't. I'm, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I had questions about this dude playing playing tackle. I knew he'd be explosive. I knew he, everybody said he, you know, he's going to test well and all that. I put all that to the to the side. The field workout, watching him redirect, change directions, play with knee bend, all that stuff. That was a tackle. That was a left tackle workout. So um, he graduated. Yeah, he graduated. He look. He was he was really impressive. Um, I liked him on tape. I liked the way that he was able to climb and move and and, and all of those things. Um, I think it was an eye opening workout. I think the interesting thing will be at the top because I felt like all those tackles. Um, Showed enough that if you were they all carrying, were good. If you're carrying the flag for uh, Wills or Worfs or Beckton, um, it was easy to get excited about any of those guys. And it'd just be interesting. Like obviously, we we can do the straw poll uh, where we kind of tag our buddies and ask, "Hey man, how do you have those guys ranked on the board?" Because I, I can I can envision scenarios where you have a different guy on the board in, in all those in all those rooms. A, a and and to be honest top. with you, to be honest with you, Andrew Tom yeah. Andrew Thomas is coming up for me. I mean, he's my coming into the combine. He was my twenty-first player. He's going to move up pretty significantly. Uh, so I've got, I've got Becton, who was you know was a freak running a five-one zero at his mm-hmm. size, three hundred and sixty-four pounds. Uh, Wills, who ran a five-zero-five, had a phenomenal workout from Alabama. Worfs, we've talked about what he did. Um, he was my third one. And then you go down to Andrew Thomas, who ran a 5.22, which is, which is still a good time mm-hmm. at 315 pounds and moved well in the workout. Austin Jackson ran a 5.07 <laughs> and had a good workout. I thought Justin Jones, it was a 5.27. It was a solid, I, I, you know, I, to me, that was more kind of one of those borderline. I don't think he's a top half of the first round guy. I think he's got a chance to maybe go on the back end of one, uh, if not one, then two. But these guys all had solid, solid workouts. And Ezra Cleveland uh, kind of uh, put his name on the map a little bit with what he did. So that's a, that is a really good group. Uh, Sadiq Charles from LSU. Ran 505 at 321 pounds. Isaiah Wilson, who I think probably goes in the second round at 350, ran 532. I mean, Buck, it's a, a Jack Driscoll from Auburn ran 502. Matt Parrott from Connecticut ran 506. Like it, it was ridiculous how good this group was. So it's funny. Um, our, our top four are the same in just a little different order. Like Wills, I have Wills, Worfs, Thomas, and Becton. Um, and I mean, like mm-hmm. the grades and the funny thing, the grades are all the same for me. I just have them stacked like that. But yeah. I gave all of them virtually the exact same grade. So now it just comes down to style preference and system fit and those things. Um, Jones from Houston, I had as my fifth guy, but Austin Jackson uh, re-enters the conversation. I had done some work on Austin Jackson or whatever before, and you see the talent, you see all of the stuff, but. When I had the conversation with him, DJ, it kind of made sense to me why his play was a little up and down this year. He had the bone marrow surgery for his sister prior to the season. And when I talked to him, he said, man, I never really was right um, during the season. Like, Mm -hmm. I worked to get back, but I wasn't really in shape, and it took a lot out of me. And, you know, like, that's the, the information that maybe the area scout gets when he goes in there for us on the outside you don't get that information we don't get more of that information no. until later but i think it changes a little bit on um, in terms of maybe how harsh i may have graded him uh i think you kind of go back and hey let's look at all of it let's see if we can check out his his last two years and kind of add some of that in there and see um what he yeah. was and where you could project him to be but austin jackson is certainly going to be the beneficiary of a solid workout that conversation in the first round is real um 
like we said, six, maybe seven going the first round. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that took place. All right, let's uh, let's have a quick discussion here before we get to these interviews. Just the quarterbacks, um, just your takeaways from watching the quarterbacks that we saw out there work out. In <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think kind of comes down to three guys um, that we get excited about. Uh, I think Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, and the last guy would be Jalen Hurst in terms of how they threw the ball at the combine workouts. Tua Tagovailoa and Joe Burrow didn't work out, so it gave us a chance to really narrow our focus and look at those guys. Uh, Justin Herbert, to me, threw the ball well. Uh, I was very, very impressed with how he threw it. I was impressed with how he moved around. His athleticism has started to show through and come through since the end of the year. We talk about those last two games, the Rose Bowl and the Pac-12 championship game, where he kind of ran around a little more. Um, I think you're beginning to see him kind of settle in and, and kind of be the player that he may be at the next level. Senior Bowl MVP. I think what's interesting is in the information that we had, um, Justin Herbert compares to a couple of different guys. Um, he compared to Josh Allen in terms of his athletic profile um, overall. I think he's a more complete and accurate passer than Josh Allen. But I thought the athleticism grade was interesting, of course, according to next-gen stats. According to the combine comparison, you know Justin Herbert compares uh, comparably to Andrew Luck? I'm not saying he's Andrew Luck, obviously, as the player or passer, but yeah. when yeah. you look at the athleticism, um, weight, hand size, 10, 40 is exactly identical. Vertical jump is within a half inch of Andrew Luck's broad jump, 10, 3, 10, 4. Andrew Luck didn't get enough credit for his athleticism, but his athleticism helped him make those plays very early in his career in Indianapolis. It also led to him getting beat up a little bit. But with Justin Herbert displaying some of this athleticism, he's not the old school traditional pocket passer that can't move. He has a little value because he can move and elude and escape. Um, I think he's definitely helped himself throughout the process. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, he's he's had a solid week at the Senior Bowl, right? Didn't mm-hmm. blow you away, but a solid week, solid game. Um, just kind of taking what's there, doing what you need to do. I thought the workout for Herbert at the at the uh, combine. When they got down the field, he was at his best. I mean, really letting it go. He's got a big arm um, and was more comfortable doing that. His feet aren't there yet, but he'd never taken a drop before. So that's gonna that's a work in progress. He'll he'll get it. He'll figure it out. Um, but there's you know still one or two throws. You're like, ah, just let it go, man. Just let just be a little more natural. Let it rip. Um, but overall, I thought it was a consistent performance from him at the combine. Which now he's starting to stack these things up together in the off season. Which to me is it gets to my struggle here and I've got I've got to really dig in hopefully over the next week because I've got some time now you go through this process to try and get all 330 of these guys done and now you can narrow focus and do projects and we kind of talk about clusters and separating guys so I'm looking forward to really digging in and just doing a Jordan Love uh, versus Justin Herbert uh, study because it's a it's a classic floor ceiling situation Buck I think the floor for Justin Herbert is much higher uh, than Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love, because the playmaking ability, has a higher ceiling. So it's trying to put that all together. Who do you believe in? Who do you trust? Who would you put your name on? Um, that's the challenge. The, the one thing I would say about Herbert compared to Josh Allen, 
I think Josh Allen was a much more natural and accomplished runner in college. Mm-hmm. Like they used him a lot more in the run game. He was more productive. I, I thought organically things break down. Josh Allen is a playmaker. I think if you're going to sit out there and, ha- and play seven on seven and have a, a throwing contest, Justin Herbert's going to complete more balls and you're going to be more accurate than Josh Allen. But I think Josh Allen has a little more gamer to him, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, in, in that regard. But I think athletically the profiles, as you mentioned, um, height, weight, speed, uh, they're there's, there is some uh, definitely some similarities there. Yeah, it, it's a very interesting conversation. Um, the conversation with Jordan Love is interesting because um, I think he certainly benefits from uh, guys kind of looking at Pat Mahomes and and some of the Sandlot plays and not under, not necessarily having a clear view for what to do with Pat Mahomes, but then seeing Pat Mahomes go to Kansas City, seeing what Andy Reid has been able to help Pat Mahomes do and unlock in his game. And so now when you have Jordan Love, you're trying to be a little more forgiving on some of the missteps that he had his final season. And you're trying to go back and look at the previous season and see what clicked. And the truth with who he is probably lies somewhere in between. And so it's, you talk about the, the high ceiling, but what team will enable Jordan Love to reach that ceiling? Who has the right coach, the right supporting cast, can put him in the right environment to enable him to be that that daring gunslinger while also managing the game and curbing the turnovers. Um, the reason I think for me there's a little more comfort in a Justin Herbert, I think I know what Justin Herbert is, and I think I know what he's going to be mm-hmm. every day. If we broke this down on cars, I mean – Justin Herbert might be a Toyota Camry, right? It's not necessarily flashy, but I know that I'm going to get 200,000 miles out of it. I know that I'm not going to have to deal with major problems. I just have to oil it, gas it, and go. And we can win games like that, provided that everything else is right. Um, Jordan Love might be a bit of a a Jaguar. Like, look, it's going to go, and when it goes, it Mm -hmm. looks really well, but Maybe every now and then we may have an automotive issue that teams us back to the shop that we got to correct to get them back on to the road. Both guys can be effective. It's just a matter of where you are in your program building process. Do you have time to wait and develop Jordan Love or do you have to roll with the Justin Herbert and can you get him to win you games while you're building up the other stuff? Yeah, one one other guy we need to mention here. You mentioned Hurts, uh, how well he threw it. I thought his feet. I thought he had the best feet of anybody there. And I give a, a tip of the cap to uh, Quincy Avery for the job he did with him, I, working with him. I thought mm-hmm. his his footwork was the best. I thought he threw the ball very well. Um, the issue with him not going to show up at the combine. Just some of that anticipation, some of the vision um, as a passer. So we're not get a chance to evaluate that there. Uh, Jacob Eason, the arm strength is legit. I mean, he has got a huge arm, Buck, and he uncorked a couple down the field. Um, still, you're going to have a couple throws here and there you'd like back. Again, he's another one I just I struggle with, and I'll, I'll continue to do more work on him. Um, but I just want to see again, kind of more of a uh, more of an instinctive playmaking ability from him when you watch him on tape instead of being more stationary and more static um, as a thrower. So uh, that's that's my take on them. We are going to hear from him in a minute, but what was your take on him? Man, he's a tough one, right, DJ? Because like we spent all year talking about kind of the revolution at the quarterback position where everyone is showing the ability to make plays athletically, move around, and even though they're not necessarily runners, but they're dynamic in some way, shape, or form that they can elude, evade, and still make these uh, second reaction throws. With Jacob Eason, 
Jacob Eason is is almost like a dinosaur. Like he is the classic drop back, um, throw it down the field and do it. So it just puts he puts more pressure on your personnel department to surround him with, man, the right pieces, like a fortress up front with your offensive line, speedsters on the outside for the vertical game, strong running game so he can throw off play action and he doesn't have to make a lot of anticipatory throws. Um, it's a lot. And so when you take on the challenge of a Jacob Eason, um, it's, it's, it's a challenge from a personnel standpoint. Can we give him everything that he will need to be successful in the long term as a franchise quarterback? And the, the game isn't necessarily being played like that, so it just kind of makes it harder. All right, Buck, well, let's get to these interviews. You had a chance to visit with a lot of the top players at the Combine. Uh, three of them we're going to hear from today, back to back to back. The quarterbacks, Jordan Love from Utah State and Jacob Eason from UW. Uh, we mentioned them just a minute ago, so we're going to go ahead and roll the, the interviews you had with them, and then we'll finish up at the end with a receiver who I believe is a is one of the 15 best players in this draft class, had a phenomenal workout, and that's LSU's Justin Jefferson. So here are your conversations with these three future pros. Join the move the Sticks podcast, standout quarterback from Utah State, Jordan Love. How was your, how was your workout? Man, it was good. Um, you know, it was kind of everything I was expecting. You know, all the long training I had coming into it, you know, it finally paid off. So it was good. So talk about this format, man. It's a long day. So here we are, like local time is after 11 o'clock. What is it like, like the three or four days that you're here, the grind mentally and physically? How have you been able to handle the process? Yeah, it's definitely a grind, you know, mentally and physically, you know, long days plus all the interviews and whatnot. But, uh, you know, it's something, you know, uh, you're, you're driven for it. You know, this is something that, you know, you, you know you want to do going to the NFL. So it's a process, you know, you got to finish it. So in, in thinking about that process, yeah. uh, so much of what happens at the combine is not the workout, but the interviews. How have those interviews gone? And what have you learned from kind of interacting with the coaches? Yeah, the interview's gone pretty well. You know, uh, all the different teams I met with this week, you know, they all kind of talk about different things in interviews. But, uh, you know, you learn a lot about yourself, you know, just talking about yourself and, you know, uh, areas you need to improve on moving forward and uh, just things you need to keep working on. So So there's been a lot of comparisons, and people have thrown out the Pat Mahomes comparison because of how Pat Mahomes looked at a college player and how he's grown and matured as an NFL player. When you look at yourself and you look at Pat Mahomes, do you see any similarities at all? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, he's a great player. Um, I love watching him, and uh, I love just trying to take you know little bits pieces of you know his game, just you know how he plays. You know, he's a playmaker, gets the job done. So uh, you know, I try and just do that to myself, my own game. Yeah, so so in, th in, in thinking about that, because the buzz has been building around your prospects and being a first round pick and maybe a top ten pick, yeah. and there's been some conversation. Terrific year two years ago. Last year was was not the same. You had a number of turnovers. Explain the differences and maybe explain why the fall off your final season. Yeah, I mean, obviously the turnovers went up. Um, you know, um, like I just say in all the meetings, you know, I, I felt like I was trying to do a little bit too much out there, um, you know, trying to force some throws and some tighter windows that, you know, could have hit the check down, could have, you know, took off a run. Um, so I just tried to do a little bit too much and force the ball. So. So that's, that's really interesting because, like, the self-awareness to be able to kind of realize, like, maybe I was doing too much. Um, when you look at where you want to improve and how you would like to play as a pro, how do you take steps to kind of correct some of that, not not put too much on your own shoulders? Yeah, I mean, it starts with just learning what you need to improve on. Um, you know, that's something that I've been doing this whole process, just trying to, you know, see in myself what I need to get better at. So, um, uh 
but I think just consistency, that's the main thing today. I mean, I missed a couple throws out there today, but um, just trying to get better at that. Look, man, it, it, it's all a part of the deal. Like, we understand how, how the combine is. Like, you're throwing to different receivers and the like, and then even going back to your time at Utah State, like, you had to adjust. So, and thinking about that football adversity that you had to endure, how has it made, it made you better? How will it make you a better pro? Yeah, I mean, that adversity in our face, you know, it's just – I think it, of it as just learning mistakes, um, you know, learning things that, you know, I just got to, you know, evaluate it and learn from it and know I can't make those same mistakes. So the next big step for you is your pro day. So what would you like to improve upon heading into your pro day and some of the private workouts? Yeah, I mean, just take all, everything I did today, you know, go back and uh, just work on some of those throws, you know, um, just be more consistent on them um, and obviously work on my footwork. Well, look, I'm excited to see it. I will be there for your pro day. Uh, I look forward to continuing to catch up. Best of luck to you going forward. Yes, sir. Thank you. Join the Mood of Sticks podcast. Big time quarterback, University of Washington. They call it U-Dub. Yes, sir. Jacob Eason. How you doing, man? How's everything? I'm doing good. Um, you know, feeling good after that workout. Left it all out there and just, you know, happy to be here. So, so much of the workout, there's so much anxiety, so many nerves. Mm-hmm. How do you balance all that when you have to perform knowing that all the general managers and coaches are watching you every move? I mean, you know, we put in the preparation and, and, you know, the countless hours doing it. We've been doing it our whole life. You know, we really just got to go out there and cut it loose and let it fly. Um, just one of those things. So beyond the workout on the turf, a lot of where you kind of make your hay is behind the scenes, mm-hmm. the interviews, the, the team meetings. How is that process for you? It's pretty eye-opening. Um, you know, you can prepare for it as much as you want, but when you step actually into that first interview with, uh, you know, a head coach, a GM, um, all those guys, you know, staring daggers at you, it's different. But, uh, no, I thought the process went great and, uh, you know, met a lot of great coaches and great people um, in this week. And, you know, I was just kind of learning on the fly and, and, and enjoying it, soaking it all in, but, you know, working hard. So, so what exactly have you learned from this process? Because so many people think it's just about you – presenting yourself yeah doing the interview process but what is your takeaway from this week i mean it's it's almost like you, you grow up like you know a couple couple years in, in this one week um you know everything's moving so fast everything's really organized um you know they say you know you got to be patient but also at the same time you got to be able to think on your feet and, and 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 adjust to those situations so i mean obviously with with these big time coaches and and people in, the, in these meetings um you got to, you know, you got to be your best self. And, and so it's really got to be on like in the entire day. And, and uh, so it was a cool experience. You know, and the thing about experiences, you have a unique experience because you played at two big time programs, started your career at the University of Georgia, make your way back to UW. What did you learn from each place and how will it make you a better player going forward? Yeah. Um, you know, my path, was was windy and it was you know coming out of high school um thinking back on it it was not what i expected at all um being here now um you know it was you know there's several things i picked up along the way whether it was you know starting as a freshman in the sec as an 18 year old um you know there's a whole whole lot of stories that come out of that and a lot of experiences and then you know even even when i got injured and and uh sat out the rest of that season as a backup you know i learned how to how to handle that situation, um, you know, putting the team, putting the team first, and and being a team player instead of a me guy, um, you know. And then the next year was when it, when I couldn't play on Saturdays, you know, I had to find a new appreciation and love for the game and in practice and in the weight room, and and uh, you know, it was a cool, unique, unique experience for me to to go through that, and then ultimately got back and and just let it loose on on Saturdays this last season and had a ton of fun, and and uh, you know, could have been with a better group of guys and a better coach. So let's expand on that because you did spend two seasons not really playing. 
having to kind of earn your way back mm-hmm. after the transfer and kind of having to do it differently. During that time away from it where you weren't the starting quarterback, what did you learn and how did it change you, whether as, as it came to your preparation, yeah. your performance? Like, what did you learn from kind of having to sit out? Yeah, no, it's, you know, a lot of it was, you know, the, 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 the game I loved and, you know, the thing I did every Saturday was taken away from me. Um, so, you know, I'd adapt to that, you know, the, the year when, when I got hurt and, and was the backup, you know, I was super proud of, of that team and, and, and super stoked for the things we were doing. But, um, you know, at the same time, the competitor in me, it was, it was killing me, you know, inside. I wouldn't let anybody know that because I wanted the narrative to be about the team. But, you know, as a competitive player, you want to be the guy rolling out there in the Rose Bowl and you want to be the guy out there, you know, slaying it in the national championship. Um, so, you know, to be the guy with the headset, you know, it, it kind of hurt inside. But, you know, I was not going to let that that be the, the situation that year, and I wanted to make sure the team was the first. So as a leader and as a, um, you know, as a person, I had to be a, a good teammate and, and, and uh, you know, help the team in any way I could, whether it was in practice, uh, on the sideline in a game, or any situation. Um, and then on to Washington, um, I, I couldn't play on Saturdays. So, you know, that's where I really developed the habits and practice and, and, you know, the love. You know, I used to wake up in the morning and be like, it's not, oh, dang, I got to go practice today. It's like, I got to go practice today. I'm going to go have fun and cut it loose. You know, there's, there's nobody in the stands, but I'm with my boys and, and uh, you know, just having a time playing the game I love. You know, it, it, it's interesting because it seems at the NFL level, the game has changed a little bit at the quarterback position. You're seeing more of these mobile athletic playmakers, guys running mm-hmm. around. Yet you tend to fall into more of the traditional path. Um, what is it about you being a classic pocket passer with a big arm that still will enable you to be able to win at a high level when so much of the NFL is kind of changing and going with the other style quarterback? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's, you know, I'm just like, you know, for the best fit for me. Um, you know, I know there's there's guys like Lamar and Russell and, and several guys and Patrick Mahomes in the league that can, that can run around and sling it all over, and they're really impressive and fun to watch. Um, you know, but there's also a handful of guys who – who fit my prototype and and can win a lot of games. So you know, I think I think whatever coach you know likes my style and and uh, you know I'll be I'll be all in. So final final thing as we think about it. So now we we finished a lot of the hard part. We've, mm-hmm. we've done the regular season. We've sure. done the combine. We have the pro day ahead, and we have maybe some team workouts. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you want to show in the next phase to kind of solidify yourself as one of the top picks? Yeah, you know, I just want to brush up on all the things. Um, you know whether it's whether it's football IQ, coverage, conceptions, protections, everything. Um, I want to be able to talk those through, and and you know, and like I can right now, I just want to keep going and, and progressing my game on that. I want to, you know, I want to keep working on my lower half and the consistency and my accuracy and my drops. Um, you know, there's all these little things that can you know you can always improve on. You know, if you want to be great, there's always room for improvement. So, well, man, we're expecting great things from you. Like we've seen the improvement steady from Georgia to UW. We expect to see it flow when you get to the next level. Best of luck to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Join the Move the Six podcast, national champion, LSU standout, Justin Jefferson. How is everything? Uh, everything's been good. Uh, the whole process of the combine and uh, just working my way up here from a, from a long season, uh, it's been great. And, I mean, my results, uh, I'm pretty confident in my results. So uh, I, I say it's a success. Look, uh, so much of the combine – doesn't take place on the field it takes place uh behind the scenes interviews and meetings and those things how's that part of the process been for you it's tough it's, it's definitely tough just you know just going to bed late and waking up early and uh talking to these different teams and uh i mean just having that right mind frame but um i mean it, it's a tough process but it'll pay off in the long run 
So prior to us uh, recording this, I, I told you that Jerry Sullivan, longtime NFL coach who also coached you at LSU, raved about you. Uh, when you've had an opportunity to work with an NFL coach like him, what are some of the things that you've learned from him that have helped prepare you to be ready for the next level? Pretty much everything to do with a receiver, uh, just going off uh, uh, releasing or uh, just being smooth through my routes. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite and best coaches I ever had. So uh, just listening to everything he's telling me and uh, just buying into the system that, you know, he, he works with these big time uh, receivers. So uh, listening to him, uh, I'm blessed to have a coach like that. So this year, you guys' offense, was, it was off the charts. Like, you guys got into a rhythm. You started rolling. Uh, it seemed like you guys were putting 50 burgers on everybody in the <laughs> SEC. Um, what was the biggest difference? What was the big difference from last year to this year in terms of offense really clicking? One uh, is the system, the system we were in. Um, just having Coach Joe Brady come in with that new pro-style offense and having us spread the ball around to these different playmakers, uh, it just helped us out. And um, the, the second part is just that work ethic that we, we took on a part, uh, going into 2019. Uh, we wanted to win the national championship. Uh, we felt comfortable in that playbook. So um, just buying in to, to that system that he gave us and just working off that. Well, obviously, a lot of the attention on the offense centered around your quarterback, Joe Burrow. Uh, look, he put together one of the best seasons anyone oh, yes. has ever seen in college football. Uh, talk a little bit about him. What makes him so special? His leadership, his leadership and his work ethic. Um, just, you know, staying after practice and uh, getting those extra reps or, you know, meeting up on Saturdays and having uh, more routes to run. So um, just him coming in and uh, being at, that guy from Ohio just, you know, not knowing anybody and then coming in and running our team. So uh, he did a great job in uh, last season, and he brought us a national championship. It's funny. So you talk about him coming from Ohio, not knowing anyone, but earning your respect. What was it about him? How did he go about earning you guys' respect? Joe had that swagger, um, just that that confidence uh, that he had. And, uh, I mean, we were confident in him as well. So um, him every game just being focused and um, just not showing any fear, just not being nervous, uh, that helped us out as a, as a team. And uh, just having that confidence with him and uh, going into that game and knowing that he's going to put those throws exactly where you want them. It's funny because a lot of times we talk to people about Joe Burrow, they always mention his competitive side. What have you seen from him to kind of illustrate that, that competitiveness that he has? Uh, every game, just him getting hit or getting uh, those those knockdowns and popping back up and then keep playing throughout the, the game. I think some people will get hit like that and, you know, not get up. So uh, just him having that toughness and that competitiveness in him to, you know, keep going and finishing out with his team. So he was an All-State basketball player, and I don't know if he, he ever <laughs> tells Definitely you guys. Does, does he tell you guys about all his the basketball time. exploits? All the time. What, what does he say to you guys about his basketball background? He was a killer. He was a shooter. So, uh, but, I mean, in the, uh, the semifinals when we were doing the little games and uh, we did the shooting game, he hit – almost every single shot. So uh, after him doing that, I, I definitely believed him. <laughs> <laughs> so so la la last thing about him, um, one thing that stands out to me just from watching him from afar, his confidence. How, co how confident of a player is he? Too confident. Uh, not overly confident, but just confident enough that you can see it. Um, just him just being out there and, you know, just not showing no fear and then being, you know, kind of cocky with it, but not arrogant. So um, just him doing that and just being on that side, uh, it definitely felt good to have that as my quarterback. And um, I'm, I feel like that's that's everybody's dream quarterback. It's funny because I, 
you could tell you guys really, really liked him because when he would get awards and honors, when you would see the reaction of the teammates, it seemed like you guys were all in. Like, oh, yes. Was there a genuine affinity for him? Did you guys really respect him and all the things? Because sometimes that situation can be different. Like right. People are envious, but it seemed right. like you guys genuinely liked him and cared about oh, him. Oh, yes. Uh, we all love Joe. Um, just from him, I, I especially have that connection with him because we kind of came from the you know same background, just not being highly recruited, um, just being one of those those talented players that you know don't have that, that high rise like you know most people do. So uh, just him being kind of like me and uh, just seeing him uh, receive those awards and, you know, just being with me to win these uh, games and winning the national championship. So uh, we are definitely excited for him. So back to you. Um, a lot of talented on a lot of talent on that offensive side of the ball. You got playmakers all over the place. But when I talk to people, they talk about you being the star, the straw that stirs the drink. What is it about you um, that makes you, that al allows you to be capable of being a number one receiver? Um, just my versatility, uh, just being able to, you know, do outside and inside. And then plus, you know, in the inside, it, it's not easy to be an inside uh, receiver, especially in college. Uh, just having to pick the uh, defenses apart, just knowing exactly what they're running. And then, you know, uh, running my routes off their defense. So uh, just being a smart player and just going out there and doing the best I can. And, um, I mean, slide, we don't get too many deep balls. So those those short balls in space, we got to make them work. So we just we, we finished the combine. Uh, we have pro days and kind of like team visits. What's the other stuff that you want to show to just kind of – Finish out the process the best way that you can. Um, just being smooth throughout my breaks. Um, really, just being more versatile than than I uh, was. You know, last year I did strictly slot. Uh, my sophomore year I did strictly outside. So just being uh, able to do both and showing them that I'm capable of doing both. Well, man, we're excited to see you do a bunch of different things at the National Football League level. Thank you, appreciate. Best of luck to you going forward. Thank you. Cool. All right, Black. Well, that was a uh, man. It was great to hear you catch up with those guys. I mean, I know it's a long week, but you get a chance to know these guys. You get a chance to visit with them on the field. Yeah, like the, the, these guys were. Um, it was great talking to them. Uh, obviously, we had talked to Jordan Love a few times, so his conversation was Eason. Jacob Eason was um, bright, has a lot of confidence, has a lot of confidence in his ability. Uh, really owned up to what he learned from his experience at Georgia and how he's able to take those uh, lessons and apply them at UW. And then Justin Jefferson is just a pro, man. He's everything that people have talked to me about. Uh, when I talked to his old receiver coach, Jerry Sullivan, he talked about this is a man's man. He's the, the one that if he had to pick one to take with him from LSU, that Justin Jefferson would be the guy. Um, I think he's displayed that. I know you have been on him from the beginning. I know he's um, in your list and one of the guys that you view as a, a first-round uh, receiver and I just have to go back because I, I just kind of got overwhelmed with so many guys that I wanted if he was truly a first round talent but he does a lot of impressive stuff uh, really good kid so you, you begin to like that and we've talked about this uh, in this process if you can buy into the kid it's a lot easier to kind of put a big grade on him and so I just got to continue to go and do my work I have no doubt. Uh, he's he's a fun player to watch, man. Big time, big time production. All right, busy week for us here on Move the Sticks. We've got uh, two shows coming up on Thursday. We've got the audio show, which will uh, dig in, uh, do a deep dive on my mock draft. Also going to have a video show. 
Uh, you can check uh, all that stuff out at uh, NFL.com slash MTS video for the video stuff, as well as the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash NFL podcast. And you can check the audio podcast as you're listening to it right now, basically on any podcast app, um, Apple Podcasts, everything. We're everywhere. So you can find that uh, on Thursday. So be on the lookout for those shows. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here, Buck? No, nah, man, this is great, man. This is a great deep dive into the combine. Well, there you go. Fun combine. Great to catch up with Buck. Hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us. Uh, we'll catch you ni- next time right here on Move the Sticks. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Digital trends show up every day in business decisions and actions. West Monroe is the number one strategic partner translating technology into financial value for companies. The This Is Digital podcast applies West Monroe's two decades of secrets and best practices to your business's benefit. Favorite past topics from the last three seasons include how AI and the next generation of employees are shaping the workplace, becoming a product company, Highmark's journey, and what does it mean to put the customer first? Learn more at westmonroe.com.